0: Welcome to Modern Marketing Messages, the leading podcast discussing the latest and greatest in both online and offline marketing tactics, strategies, and trends. I'm Mariah Kalaji, and today we're discussing personalization and privacy trends. With AmericanEagle.com's VP of Strategic Initiatives, Tim Elenius. Welcome.
1: Thanks. Glad to be here again.
0: Yeah, we love having you. So let's let's dive right in. So, personalization is such a hot topic. Um, You know, just with everyone's expedited digital transformations, consumers are expecting personalization. You know, what are you seeing?
1: Oh, absolutely. And personalization is near and dear to my heart. I've been working with clients for personalization for going on six, seven years now, and it's just amazing how it has just grown in the industry and just where it has really been shaped and molded by several key big players like Amazon and Netflix and the expectations that the end consumer has now yeah. of what can be delivered to them. But also in recent years, this focus on privacy and just what that means when you start trying to personalize. and. Yeah a lot of companies think that they are doing personalization well enough but if you ask their consumer base there's definitely areas of improvement that they could bring to uh, their digital engagements and that's really what we want to talk about is just how do you bring personalization in different formats of it and just overall at the end of the day just how it really is something that in your digital customer journey you need to deliver on and and i would even say beyond the customer journey digitally and even bringing it into the experience of unboxing something, of receiving any direct mail pieces, Mm -hmm. all of that can bring personalization to play. And there's some great examples we can talk about today. I think probably the the first one I want to really highlight on is just the aspect of personalization when I'm browsing and shopping for furniture. And in uh, a past experience with uh, a company like Restoration Hardware, when I'm shopping for sofas or for a bedroom set or whatever it may be, remember that. Remember what I'm looking for mm-hmm. and really deliver on that. The next time I come back, you know whether or not I've purchased. I had an account with them, and mm-hmm. with that account, you know my history of purchases. So really bring that to light. But I'm still getting their massive outdoor collection marketing drop. Yeah. Of this massive catalog, Restoration Hardware's catalog is just massive, Huge. and. I love the stuff, but that's not what I'm shopping for right now. So while it comes out seasonally and it's the outdoor season coming up here in Mm -hmm. 2021 and everyone wants to be out and about now, there's an aspect to knowing that, hey, you know what? The last thing that he's really been looking at has been couches. Mm -hmm. Drive that home. Maybe do a postcard mailer or whatever it may be. But in my email, I'm still getting everything. I'm getting generic messaging And I'm not getting that personalized feel. And I think that's really what I desire. I mean, you take a company like Eddie Bauer. I'm going to flip over to apparel here on the retailer side. And Eddie Bauer, the minute that in Chicago, it's going to rain over the weekend or any day of the week, really. But I usually (laughs) pay attention to my personal email towards the weekends. Rain cold weather snaps coming through, they are using weather-based personalized emails for me based on the geographic region that I'm in. And it's incredible because it does make me think, I'm like, oh, okay, do, do I have the right jacket for All the right. weekend? Or do I have the right apparel for whatever that situation is going to be? And they just tie into a weather API and they bring that personalization to light. And it's great. And they know, just like Pottery Barn, I'll, I'll throw out some other names here, yeah. that when I shop certain things, my email marketing campaigns are personalized to me. It's mm-hmm. stuff that I've looked at, I haven't bought. I was shopping office desks a year and a half ago and Pottery Barn, whoo, man, did they personalize <laughs> their email to me? That's where privacy might come right. into play in the conversation. Absolutely. But overall, it's just incredible what personalization can really do to build just not even the trust side of it, but just that yeah. you care about me as an individual consumer in the Hearts and minds of those people that you're trying to get to convert. Yeah. And I think that's where every company has a level that they can take personalization to. It will vary, it is not the same for every organization. And even B2B companies, not just B2C, B2B has a great opportunity for personalization with what is typically called ABM or account based yeah. marketing. And we just really want to hone in on that for a second here because overall, that I think is an industry. B2B, and I've talked about this on other podcasts before. B2B is typically a little bit behind the um, just digital maturity of a B2C organization. It just comes into play with how the systems are set up and you know how old some of the systems are. But just that buyer is not typically always changing. But as we get into a generational shift in the people who are making those purchase decisions now, especially on the B2B side, guess what? They're coming in from a very different technology background. Those millennials, those Gen mm-hmm. Zers are really yeah. going to shift the way that your organization does business to business transactions and you got to be ready.
0: Exactly. And it's how your customers want to be served or want to be provided recommendations based on their browsing history or different, you know, I might be shopping for office desks like you, you had mentioned, but I also want to see office chairs. Mm -hmm. I want to see other office furniture. And so, you know, beyond what we want, it's, it's what the, customer and business want to serve you mm-hmm. to, you know, cre- make that transaction.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and not only the, the recommendation side of it, but I think this is where the cool technology aspect of machine learning and artificial intelligence come into play with personalized recommendations. Gone are the days of just the standard, oh, hey. You bought this, you might also like this, this and this. Now it is, hey, you bought this and I know that people who bought this also from your same region or from your same demographic points that we know about you also ended up purchasing these items. That personalized recommendations is going to be huge and you can use that anywhere. And this is something I talk to a lot of clients about here of the opportunity to take personalized recommendations and not only have them inside of your website but put them in your email marketing. You can drop personalization recommendations right then and there so that whether it's an abandoned cart email and you're just trying to get them to convert there, right? You don't want to put too many roadblocks and decisions in front of them, but if future nurture campaign or a thank you email after a purchase, really tailor it, but then really use that data and that information of past purchases of people who've also purchased and really Mm -hmm. understand your opportunity because there's so much that can be revealed in that data if you look for the trends and the patterns and when you do you will find new ways to convert new purchases to happen from your existing customer base and that's the best thing you can do because it's It's more effective it's real and it's more effective from a budget perspective to continue converting existing people who have bought from you than to acquire net new customers. Absolutely. And so while you wanna target both, use that existing customer base to your advantage.
0: Yeah, personalization is so, so, so important. You know, that kind, you kind of touched on a few areas, you know, the data ethics of collecting the data as you are personalizing it and you know consumers are definitely more aware of their data being collected as you're visiting sites and browsing you know but it's interesting about how we care how consumers are caring less about their data being captured but how it's being used Mm -hmm. you know and with all of the new gdpr laws and regulations coming out you know what are what are you seeing in that spectrum
1: oh oh man data privacy. That's, that's like three podcast <laughs> right. episodes in, in, in one here for the length that we could talk about it. Data privacy, another area that I have focused on and, and done several webinars on in the past, but data privacy is, is something you have to be aware of today. There are laws yeah. that have been passed uh, in the U.S. here. CCPA was the big one. Uh, they now have CCRA and some other aspects of variations of that. Virginia just passed one that's going to take effect in 2023. Uh, other states all have them as well in litigation right now, and or sorry, in legislation right now. Um, but with that, with GDPR, there's even new aspects to GDPR for different ways that data is being stored and, mm-hmm. and how you can use it. But kind of taking a step back and just looking at data privacy overall, I'm glad it happened. Yeah. As as frustrating as it, is, as, it, as it is in this business of, all the things that we have to put into place right now, it is one that at least shows the transparency of what's being done. Because I can tell you, there are certain sites that do very gray areas of marketing, sharing of my customer information that I am just not happy about. And uh, I had a great example. I I won't name them here, but Mm -hmm. I was on a, a virtual conference the other day, and this really happened a lot last year. But I was on a virtual conference. I'm like, oh, this is a very reputable company. I really want to hear what they're going to be talking about. And I have had six different sponsors from that show call, email, multiple times emailed, multiple calls from six different ones in a matter of a week after going and and being part of that conference. Now, yes, I'm sure that in the fine print, there was something about they're going to share with their sponsors and sponsors need to get leads, et cetera, et cetera. But the cadence at how fast they were trying to get a hold of me. And some of the tactics that those marketers were using, I just don't agree with. And that's one of those areas where I would love to go to a show and just say, Hey, you know what? Yeah, I know you've got a list of sponsors. I know that you've got to make revenue, but there is an aspect to how you can let them be yeah. informed of what your interests are so they can also accurately target the right people.
0: 100%. Well, and that's kind of the fine line between, you know, capturing that data, utilizing that data for your marketing, but being timely of mm-hmm. that and, you know, you kind of being on the opposite end as, you know, the consumer or the target for that data. You know, it's interesting the fine line where, you know, I signed up for this because I want this information but I don't want mm-hmm. it all coming at me at once. Yep. I want it spaced out. And so it's interesting how organizations have very, very different viewpoints on how how they're going to execute upon that data. Oh,
1: exactly. And and there's also an aspect too where if you're targeting a certain level person at a company, automated email drip campaigns do not work. And mm-hmm. the most frustrating thing to me and the first emails that I will ignore and I'll just say this on the air here on this podcast. I will always ignore the ones that are so templated that it's the same one that I've seen from 15 other companies. And when you give me that, hey, I've tried to reach you or, hey, I left you a voicemail. One, actually leave me a voicemail if you're going to say it. Because I have had maybe two people who have actually legitimately left me a voicemail when saying that in an email. Oh, hey, I've tried to reach out to you. No, there's no call log. Sorry, you did not try and call me. So those types of just messages... I know they can't. i know it's a process to try and generate leads but personalize it mm-hmm. actually make it for me don't just personalize my name don't personalize my company name and if you do make sure you get the right company name because right. a lot of different ways that can be screwed up <laughs> but overall it's just the way that you communicate out and when you ask me for hey just give me a response of abc that you know i'm not interested now but i will be in three months or b I'll, i'm interested in six months or more i'm not going to respond to you with that either because you're just going to put me into another thread Campaigns. and campaign mm-hmm. to then trigger emails out to me at that point. So <laughs> I heard this on another digital marketing podcast. And this is the, the way a guy actually flipped that script on them. And he built his own automation reply oh script Amazing. to do the exact same <laughs> thing for anyone who is emailing him. And, you know, it's, it's it's intriguing. I haven't taken the time to do that myself to the uh, the ones that really don't get the picture after a few emails. Right. But it's just something, I mean, that privacy side of it, just moving back to the point of this podcast (laughs) before I go off on a big, big tangent there, make sure that you are very transparent and clear in how the information is being used. Mm -hmm. Don't bury it in fine print. Just be open and honest. And you know what? When you're open and honest with consumers about what's being done, most of the time, they don't have a problem with it, especially if you're using it ethically Mm -hmm. and when it comes down to it if you're gonna be doing something shady with it think twice before you actually pursue
0: absolutely and
1: and that's the first type of thing I look for on a website too are they being open and honest with me do I feel that there's a level of trust on this site that if I take action with them that I'm gonna be happy with them the best thing right now is getting rid of my social account logins in terms of when I check out on an e-commerce site Uh, Apple, I'm gonna call them out here. Apple did a great opportunity where I actually am protected because they let me log in with my Apple ID and choose on that site, if they implement this, choose whether or not I share my personal email with them directly, or if Apple creates an alias for me that won't be immediately trackable to me. And then that way they are protecting my personal email address. That was huge. And I used it the minute that it was available on certain sites that I use. And now it's another one of those, just like Apple Pay, you have to implement some stuff in order to have it there. But once you do, it's interesting to see what people will do. Now, Apple's not 100% of your market. There's Android users and there's people who just won't bother through that. That's fine, but give the option.
0: Absolutely. The
1: big thing I think a lot of people don't realize is if you use a social login, there are a certain number of characteristics. I mean, if you log in with Facebook on a site, 20 characteristic points about you, individually, you as a person, or more are shared immediately with that organization because they used Facebook login to allow you to log in and check out or do whatever on their site that you're using. And it's amazing how much we as marketers can get from that. Mm -hmm. And it's a benefit, but if you use it right.
0: Absolutely. You have to use it right. You know, it's interesting, you kind of touched on legislation being passed and stuff. You know, I found a uh, Gartner data that suggests by 2023, 65% of the world's population will have their personal data covered in some form under mi- modern privacy regulations, which I think is fantastic. You know, having those regulations to make consumers and users of the web, you know, um, be be covered in in such aspects where you're not feeling, you know, pulled in a certain way that you don't want to be or having your data sold to whomever but it's interesting it's definitely very interesting
1: absolutely and with that and i mean this is where i wish the us would go out and put a federal data privacy in place because right now it's state by state mm-hmm. and that is in the you know website design and development yeah. world it's a it's a hard one to keep yeah. up with i mean it's constantly, constantly changing evolving. constantly evolving and, and devices are evolving, too. I mean, uh, we're pending, you know, soon in April here, they, uh, Apple promised the update that everyone was, if you haven't seen it in the news, I mean, Facebook was up in arms about the amount of privacy protection that Apple was trying to do with apps and having the apps actually inform you, this is what information we track and collect about you. I thought it was great. Yes. It lets you see that transparency, but the marketers are all concerned now, just like some of the cookie laws and everything else of, Wait, I have to tell them what I'm doing with their data. What? What? I don't want to share. I don't want to tell them I'm 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 making profit off their data, or I'm using it for these things. It's when you share it, it's amazing how much people will start to accept it if you use it the right way, mm-hmm. and if they have a choice to opt out. And that's what a lot of these are about. Yeah, it's the opt out aspect, and I think that's really what comes into play. Where I would love to opt out of some of the direct mail that I get all the time. And (laughs) I'm like the amount of sheer, probably billions of pounds of waste of mail that happens every year that goes immediately into the recycle from me. Let me opt out of those. My fear is that if I'd go and sign up on a site to opt out of some of those things, they're taking my data. They now know that I don't want that. They're going to target me with something. It's like, that's where being in the industry lets me see a lot more around the corner Mm -hmm. that I'm hoping that a lot of you listening are going to get the picture of too. Trust the site. You're probably fine they're transparent with you. Great. Use them. Talk to friends. Say, hey, who, who have you experienced lately that you you like? Yeah. But the minute that your data is used in a bad way, you are left with a bad taste in your mouth and you yes. probably won't want to do business with that organization again. I mean, right now, and, and Pew's Research uh, Center did uh, a study of this just towards the end of 2019, but the majority of Americans just feel that their personal data is less secure now and that data collection poses more risks than benefits and believe it's not possible to go through daily life without being tracked. Wow. And I think that's just incredible that the a, a majority of Americans are feeling that way, but yet, has that stopped them from purchasing online? Has that stopped them from using certain services? No, it hasn't. They feel that way, yeah. but no action has been taken. So it's really interesting to just see where the future of this is going to go because we need to collect data, for personalization, like we were talking about, and yeah. you, there's there's implicit personalization, which is browsing behavior and all this other stuff. We can do that during the session because it's not going to be the same session the next time. Of I'm always looking for the same thing because the minute that I actually finish a transaction, guess what? My is- personalization needs to be something else. Don't paint me into a corner. That's what I always tell clients. Don't mm-hmm. don't paint your customer into a corner with personalization and profiling them. Always have an option out and say, hey, you know what, after X amount of days, usually people are going to be shopping for something else on my site. Or hey, yeah, no, it's a big purchase. And so the purchase life cycle is typically maybe six months long or a year long in a bigger B2B purchase aspect. Know that limit and know what touch points to have with them and you're going to have a much better experience. But for a consumer, I, I use this story all the time. Uh, we're actually looking to to remodel another bathroom. And so in the past, when I've remodeled, I was looking on Amazon at different vanities, trying to get ideas. And you know, usually I won't buy certain things from Amazon that are bigger ticket items just because yeah. I kind of like going to a store and seeing them. Well, last year changed a lot of that. Well, <laughs> if I'm going to buy a bathroom vanity or a big mirror, I, I'm not going to keep buying that. But no. what does Amazon's personalization engine do to me? They show it to me every time I keep going back if I haven't shopped for some other things at that point. And so if you know that I bought that big item, don't show it to me again.
0: No. (laughs) Why
1: am I going to need another one? uh, That's not a repeat subscribe and save purchase that I'm going to (laughs) have. I mean, there's only so many bathrooms in my house. But overall, when you have that opportunity, the bigger the item, the more tactful your personalization needs to be. Mm -hmm. And then also, if you see them looking at other items that maybe are complementary or not complementary, start to show other options. Personalized recommendations come into play there, too. And so it's just a matter of use the data intelligently to help the consumer with their purchase decision path. Yeah. And you're going to probably see a lot more conversions happening from those experiences than if we don't.
0: Absolutely. Well, I feel like personalization and privacy are on quite the fast track, given everyone's expedited digital transformations and just as these legislation um, rulings come out and you know all these laws keep on coming but it's really interesting you know really seeing where it's going to go and you know how fast we're gonna get there
1: oh absolutely it is and I would say the one thing that just a lot of the different platforms that we work with there's individual personalization platforms out there that you can add on top of whatever web platform that you're on for your website those all are very viable as well. But there's also a lot of platforms that have personalization built in now. And I think it's just funny some of the name changes that have happened over the years, it was like web content management systems and they dropped the web part because it was all content management systems. So WCMS, CMS. And then the big shift was to DXP, digital experience platforms. And so (laughs) it's interesting to see how just that naming convention has evolved over the past several years in order to accommodate for the type of experience to to steal that word from the middle of the new name right and and how you're delivering that through these different platforms so a lot of them out there a lot of our partners that we work with sitecore sitefinity kentico wordpress drupal they all have personalization elements built into them they have digital marketing components built in that you can use for segmentation and profiling and we've implemented a lot of solutions for clients just with those built-in tools And we've also used a lot of third-party platforms like Optimizely and VWO and Google Optimize to to drive personalization through on sites. And that's key because there's a certain point in your digital marketing maturity where the built-in solutions will do what you need. And there's a lot of advancements lately. Sitecore's added this AI level of personalization and it's incredible to work with. And we wanna look at both how it can be automated and use the information that's there but automation still isn't there to fully trust for everything. So there is still a manual setup of personalization that is desired and, and should be looked into. So always double check what's happening. Always use your analytics to your advantage to really understand, hey, do we need this personalization to continue? Is it hitting enough people? Is it is it effective? Yep. And if it's not, it's okay to turn off. You don't have to have personalization for everything. And not every audience is going to want personalization to the same level. And so when we talk about it it's really a crawl walk run approach mm-hmm. when it comes to personalization privacy you kind of have to follow whatever goes into law so make sure that you address privacy immediately yes. when you're required <laughs> to it's not a crawl walk run right. approach there the Immediate. but sometimes there are options for how you can start to implement aspects of the privacy regulations and understand if they are needed for your organization and where you do business because there are different aspects, like I mentioned earlier, about the state level privacy laws that are happening versus in Europe with the GDPR and what's uh, you know evolving there with their their privacy. We're just going to keep seeing more. So it's another one of those areas, just like personalization has continued to evolve and grow. Privacy is continuing as well. So you've got to stay on top of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for your time today, Tim. It was so great to have you on the show here again, and we look forward to having you on Modern Marketing Messages again. Be sure to stay tuned for more exciting episodes coming soon. This podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios.